0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Welcome to Ambets Radio. At Ambets Radio, we're dedicated to providing the who, what, where, when, and why of everything Ambets nationwide. For over 50 shows now, AMBETS Radio not only educates, but tries to inspire all veterans serving veterans with interviews that are not only thought-provoking, but through humor, decades of wisdom, lots of great stories, and of course, information about AMBETS. It's our goal at AMBETS Radio that after hearing this show, you'll walk away different than you arrived. We thank you for taking the time to listen to AMBETS Radio. And for more information, including upcoming shows or previous ones, visit AMBETSRadio.com. Now sit back and relax, buckle up and get ready, because the AMBETS Radio train is about to leave the station.
2: Appreciation for keeping this land free. So the next time you hear our anthem and see old glory flying in the air, can we please all stand together in the one thing we all share. We're Americans. Americans, we're Americans. We're Americans, Americans, we're Americans, God bless the USA.
1: Well, good evening folks and welcome to AMBETS Radio, show number 68. Today is July 10th, 2018. And tonight's show has got a very, very special topic. The topic tonight is also sensitive in nature and has got has seen it fit to bring people on the show tonight who have experienced some pretty traumatic situations. We're gonna be discussing part two of a conversation that we started last week, which was military sexual assault. Now, it just so happens that AmBeth National is also opening up this discussion in regards to a piece of legislation back from 2017. What makes tonight's show so unique is the fact that we have some guests on the show tonight who have not only experienced it, but who are going to give some advice on not only how to deal with it, but how to be able to help others deal with it. Now, if there's anything you know about AmBeth's Radio, the whole purpose of AmBeth's Radio is to share information. We've successfully done that now for 68 shows. And why I wanted to play that song, You're Not Alone, is the fact remains is you're not alone. We all go through different traumatic situations, loss in the family, financial situations, but the fact remains that with each other, we can almost get through anything. Only on Facebook, I've had the same topic on my Facebook cover photo because I knew we were going to do shows like this. And it has to do with the word together and team. And Alex, you and I both, it takes a team to accomplish anything using Nothing this conversation okay. right now because if I didn't understand what team meant, would I be able to do the things that I do today? Now, Alex, I think you know me well enough that we don't do anything alone, do we?
3: No, brother, we never do anything alone. We always have our no. our friends, our family, and we have our faith to guide us through it. That's correct.
1: And AMBETS Radio... Is not run by one person, is it? No, sir. No, it's run by a team. Matter of fact, without states like Arkansas, we wouldn't be able to run the show, would we? Without no, so we DC,
4: wouldn't
1: them. we wouldn't be able to have guests on the show. So why I'm starting off tonight's show before we go into the national anthem, why I do that is we have to remember that no matter how crazy this world is, no matter what is going on in this world, if we have a team mentality, if we look out for one another, if we watch each other's back, if, if when somebody who, who might not be maybe patient runs into a situation that they can't understand, you come next to them and you help them. Because let me tell you something, all the money in the world cannot replace compassion. And tonight's show is very sensitive in nature, as I mentioned. And, I mean, we just brought this up last week, Alex. And look at what's happened. Now people are talking about it. And, I mean, is it not a privilege and an honor to be able to be the one to press forward in this topic, to help people get past what they're struggling with. And look at how we've been able to get guests on who've experienced it, who want to talk about it. I mean, it's scary. But tonight, after tonight's show, when 9 o'clock Central Time comes and goes, we will have recorded this show for one purpose and one purpose alone. And that is to bring this topic to the surface. Now, Alex, my friend, my co-host with the mostest. I didn't call you a hostess. Notice that. (laughs) My co-host, because that's what you are, my brother. And you've been a wonderful host. You have provided some wonderful questions for our guests. And I'm looking forward to what you have to say About tonight's show Before I go into the national anthem What is your Because you've had all day to think about this And and I purposely kind of left you Alone so that you could Get your thoughts together But why don't you take the next few minutes And just share some feelings About what you think about tonight's show Is going to be like And then we'll run the national anthem And then we will bring our guests on
3: Well Perry as you said Tonight's topic is a graphic one And it's one to be taken with a lot of reverence i've had many friends in the military who have suffered military sexual assault i have I have known people uh who have gone through it I've known people who have intervened in it and in any case in every case it has changed their life some some for the better some for the worse um you know, I've had friends just like one of our, co- our, our guests tonight, uh, Orlando, who have intervened, and it cost them dearly in their military career, and it's a shame. It's a shame that we, as a, as a nation, are, are, are pushing this topic away because it's too scary to talk about, and with a lot of the topics we talk about on our show... I feel that it doesn't come to light a lot because we are too afraid to bring it to light. And here at Amherst Radio, we are not afraid to talk about these topics because it is the topics that we're most afraid to talk about that need to be talked about the most. Because if nobody's talking about them, then nothing can ever change. And I'd like to thank our guests who are coming on who have witnessed, witnessed, intervened, and experienced some of the most traumatic things that a man or woman could ever experience in their life. To bring this topic to light. Like you said, Amvet's National yesterday announced that they are supporting a bill on changing the way that the military intervenes with military sexual assault trauma. And I personally think that I'd like to think that we had a role to play in that, Perry. And it's it's one of those things that it makes this all worthwhile. Now doing this show has been one of the great privileges of my life. I, I've been able to bring topics to light that are very sensitive to me, that are sensitive to others, and for what all I can imagine are going to do great things within AMVETS and within our country. But I, I just want to say, if you've experienced military sexual assault trauma, do not be afraid. There are great people out there that can help you, like Denise, Orlando. There are people out there who care and want to get you through this, and and. No matter what, don't, don't feel ashamed. You didn't do anything wrong. Get, get some help because you are too important to let that person win and control your life.
1: Bingo. Why don't we go ahead and run our national anthem, and we will start AMBETS radio show number 68. Please stand. right let's get this show underway uh we've got a few guests on hold um i am i just i'm 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 trying to figure out alex who i want to bring on first because again matter of fact i'm probably going to bring on denise first simply because we started the conversation last week and i just want to make sure that we can uh continue forward in the conversation last week we had um the second vice commander for AMBETS D.C., Orlando Herrera, who's going to be joining us in a little bit. And we had Sierra AMBETS Wisconsin post-2017 post commander Denise Wentz, and she was a part of the conversation that we started. And so let's go ahead and let's bring Denise on. Denise, how you doing tonight?
5: Oh, I'm here and good.
1: Wonderful. I want to thank you for taking this time to join us tonight to help participate in this discussion. I know that uh, it is, as I stated, it it is a sensitive topic, but what I think that a lot of people don't realize is how many people are listening right now to this show who are not able to speak about it, but who really don't know what to say, what to do. And uh, again, I just run the control panel of this show, but, the conversation that ends up taking place um, is truly going to be revolutionary. So just know that whatever contribution um, you make, as small or as great as you think it might be, just know that there's no accidents and no coincidences.
5: Yep, that's it's true. Everything um, happens for a reason, and, uh, you know, the big thing is, is I just want to do a shout-out to all the people who are currently serving in the military. And if they may be facing sexual harassment or have just gone through military sexual assault or whatever, don't keep it a secret. Don't, don't hide it like I did. Report it. Get help right away. Because that is the one thing that my therapist said to me. She said, if I would have went in right away when I was 23 years old and got help, I wouldn't have such severe PTSD. And um, I just want to tell everybody out there, you know, if it's recent or if it's been years and it's finally coming to the surface and you need to deal with it – Go and get professional help. It's not shameful. There's nothing shameful about going in and getting help. It's, it, it, it'll save your life. That's, that's one of the big things I want to say right up front. Uh, don't be ashamed and um, be brave and go get help.
1: Go ahead, Alex. Alex.
3: Well denise I, I, I really appreciate you coming on the on the show again we We had a long discussion about this when I asked you to come back onto the show and I'd, I'd like to reiterate some of the things we talked about you 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 mentioned that talking about it sooner would have helped do you One of the reasons that we talked about it is that a lot of people feel a shame that's associated, or they get shamed by other people in their unit? Do you feel like that's a big problem is is shame within the unit for discussing it or, or reporting it?
5: Um, absolutely. There's back, back when I was young and this happened to me, this also happened to um, a friend that I went through basic training with. Um, and she uh, was stationed in Germany at the time And uh, it was her section sergeant And, you know, it was they had to go out and work It was military intelligence Just him and her and, and out in the middle of nowhere And on a daily basis he beat the tar out of her And tried to rape her And when she went to try and report it She got in trouble and she got busted in rank. And he, and the good old boys club covered it for him. And uh, it was really, really bad. She came home with severe PTSD. At the time, I had PTSD from military sexual assault. She had PTSD. I had no idea. We didn't know what it was. Um, and it actually ended up destroying her marriage and, uh, you know, it, it's a very, very life-changing thing. And she did go in for counseling right away, but it still had serious um, effects in her life that, you know, she probably wouldn't have had if she wouldn't have went through that.
3: Now, for those that are listening that may not understand military lingo, or for those that are listening, what, what is the good old voice system?
5: Well, it it has to do with the chain of command. And it has to do with the guys covering for one another. So everybody in her chain of command covered up for that section sergeant. And he didn't get any discipline or anything. She's the one that got disciplined for reporting it. And so she was pretty smart. Um, She went and she did a bunch of research on her own and uh, come to find out he had done this to many women and actually... Raped multiple women And so she built a case Against him And then she took it to her State representative And he was able to do something about it She actually you know Went above the chain of command And um She they they ended up Um the sergeant Went to prison And everybody in the chain of command got disciplined But if she wouldn't have been so Savvy um and said i'm not I'm not putting up with this. Uh, it wouldn't have went that way. And she ended up with an honorable discharge. and um, she got out of the military, which she absolutely loved the military. She would have made it a career. if you know she if she would have went in and somebody would have been there for her and backed her up, and things would have happened and been investigated. Um, instead of it being covered up, I think she would have probably served and went on to be an officer.
3: And that's
6: absolutely a shame. But, you know, it ended her
5: career shortly, yes.
3: It's absolutely a shame, and um, I've personally, you know, seen that good old boy system at work, and I I can't help but think that how many other military sexual assault cases End up, end up that way. Well, because because
5: of that, when when I went through my experience, I was counseled by other friends who were higher rank, and they said, "Don't report it. Don't don't do it." Um, um, friends of mine that I um, buddies that I weight lifted with that were special forces medics, um, they they said. Don't, don't report it, we'll take care of it, and he'll never do this to another female again. So I don't know what happened, but they they basically said they would take care of it and, and you know, hold him accountable for what happened. But I feel like at the time, if I would have reported it and went through the so-called channels, the same thing that happened to my, my friend from basic training, it would have happened to me.
3: And there's, uh there's, oh, oh sorry, go there's ahead. There's a
5: lot of cases like that where the ladies or the men just don't report it because they feel like it's gonna come back negatively on them and their career.
3: Well that's not unjustified, is it? I mean, judging by what people have seen and the actions that have happened, I mean it, it goes back to the same fear of reporting mental illness within the military. It's a career killer. Correct. Correct. And, I mean, if you, if you really think about it, I mean, there's, there's multiple options. There's And a lot, a lot of people know this, so I want to put that information out there. There's open reporting and closed reporting. Now, closed reporting is where it's you just report it and no legal action, nobody really knows other than medical providers, and you can get the help you need. And then there's open reporting where a legal case, Takes action. Is that correct?
5: Um, I'm I'm not real familiar with the proper process of reporting. Um, That would maybe be a better question for the second vice.
2: Okay. Uh, Matter of fact, I'm glad you
1: mentioned that. I I, hold on. I I hate to interrupt you, but it's really important because I want to actually bring Orlando on because that was the perfect man. Denise, I could not have planned that any better. Thank you. (laughs) Let me go ahead and uh, let's get Orlando back on. Good evening, Orlando. How you doing, sir? Thank you for joining AMBETS Radio tonight.
7: All right. Good evening, everyone. And uh, welcome all those out there listening to uh, AMBETS Radio. Um, To piggyback off of Denise, two things. Yes, the good old boys club. Hate them dearly, but you know it, it was just part of the system of coming in through, uh in my case, the Marine Corps, um, and in, and in my case, uh in helping out a female uh, Marine who was being assaulted, um, but pretty much raped by a male Marine, it cost me uh, a lot in my career in the in the military. She wound up being. Um, within 30 days of the assault, um, honorably discharged. The uh, Marine that caused the assault after he was um, released from the hospital, after the beating that he got from me, he was transferred to another unit. And myself, I wound up being uh, charged with destruction of government property. Um I, I was not happy about that but um I felt I did the right thing. And uh and I let them know in the panel uh as I'm being charged uh that I would do it again. So um that's one thing. The second thing is yes, uh there is the re um the reported and unreported um there by by nature of the DOD they're called unrestricted reports and um and restricted reports. Uh for example in say uh two thousand fiscal year two thousand seventeen, six thousand seven hundred and sixty nine reports were made um of MST, uh, of you know sexual assault um, or sexual harassment, uh, you know, anything in in those lines. Now, out of those, you know, that total, um, 500, I mean 5,000, I'm sorry, 5,110 are unrestricted reports. Um, And then 1,659 are remaining restricted. So you know there there's that short disparity there, but you know you you know mentioned before you're gonna have your those that are restricted and those that are are not uh you will those that are more so on the restricted side are gonna be a lower number because you're not gonna have that many facing legal action um but you'll have a lot more on the unrestricted side that will be, you know, will be given the opportunity to seek medical attention and things of that nature. Um, Avets is looking to, you know, is supporting the change of that, that, you know, that it has to be um, noted across the board. I mean, you know, folks have to be held accountable. I mean, I, I could go ahead and give you, for example, Uh, It was kind of interesting, a report I read um, earlier uh, by uh, Shannon um, Barth for the American Journal of uh, Preventive Medicine, where uh, she and her colleagues had, um, between the years of 2009 to 2011, um, on a national health study for the new generation of U.S. veterans, they had Um, 20,563 of the veterans that served in uh, Operation Enduring Freedom and Operation Iraqi Freedom surveyed. And out of that, they found out 41% of them um experienced. uh percent oh, were women that experienced m s t and four percent of men reported experiencing m s t yeah and it was just you know it was a bit alarming that here it isn 't it's just this two year span we have that large number from yeah you know, on both sides being reported um but it's also alarming that we didn't have that going on before. I mean, I come from the time of, you know, I came in 79 to 85. You could not report this type of thing without going and having some type of reprisal. Um, So it was was part of that era of don't ask, don't tell. So nobody mentioned it. If you did, you wind up in a whole lot of trouble. I really didn't care because I didn't feel in my case, this someone should be raped. So I, I was willing to accept um, what happened to me, you know, because of it.
1: Now, well, one of the things, very quickly, Alex, one of the things, too, that I would, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and comment on what he's talking about. But after we do this, I want to go and bring another one of our guests on because she's got some legislative experience and I just have a feeling that this might be the direction that we go. Normally AMBITS radio will do one guest then we go to the next and we go to the guest. We can already see based upon tonight's format that we're just gonna bring multiple people on. So, and because we actually have another person who's also gonna be joining us. So let's just keep this conversation rolling, but go ahead, Alex. And then after you finish your thought, let me go ahead so that I can introduce and bring on the another side of this conversation.
3: No problem, Perry. Orlando, thank you for coming on the show. It's a pleasure to have you back on. Um, This is a two-part question for both of our guests. Um, I'll let Orlando speak first, and then Denise, if you could chime in. Um, So, Orlando, I mean, as males, we we hear some of the conversation that goes on in the military, and it's not necessarily the most um, clean conversation. I mean, you have... The, Army, the military specifically recruits A-type personality males, men who, who have a no-quit, uh, never-take-no-for-an-answer mentality. Uh, one, do you think that is a contributing factor? And along with the culture of it where, you know, men will be on deployment and similar to beer goggles, there's a phrase that you hear a lot in the military called deployment goggles where you've been deprived uh, of intimate activity for so long that, you're just willing to to be intimate with anything at that point.
7: Well, I, I would have to say, yeah, it's, it's pretty much that way. I mean, um, when you're when, and I've noticed this in my in my studies and my psychological studies that I've uh, I've dealt with in the last few years, that when you deprive uh, someone or something of an object that they would normally have, they're going to go ahead and do whatever it takes to get what they they pray for. In the case of, you know, these um, men in the military, probably were sexually active before they went ahead and went on deployment. Now they're being restricted. You know, they there's nobody around. There's nothing. There's very few women. So here it is. You know, it's like, well, I'm going to get to her before anybody else can. You can't say no to me. Uh, you know, that, that whole mentality there, and it's like, well, if you're going to say no to me, I'm going to go just go ahead and take it. And it's it's that type of mentality that just caused a whole lot of problems. Um, you know, the the lower rank feel they could go ahead and, you know, they say, well, I could do it because the higher rank does it. And so, but then the reprisals are different because here it is, uh, E1 to an E4 could possibly wind up getting in trouble for it, maybe. But here it is, if you have somebody E6 or higher or even um, an O1, you know, or further, there's no reprisals. You know, so it's, you know, it's like, well, no. That's it. You know, go away. Uh, You know, it happens. Shut your mouth. Go about your business. You're in the military. You got to deal with it. You know, suck it up. And then that's it. And uh, it's a really bad uh, culture to go ahead and have around, especially with a lot of young men that are impressionable coming in. You know, they wind up just thinking, well, hey, I can do whatever I want and then it, because, you know, then it just keeps on repeating itself. Every generation you'll find that it just keeps on repeating itself, but then more and more and more. You know, we wonder what more victims each generation that come through, and it, it's, it's something's got to be done. About.
3: I couldn't agree more. Denise, what's your feeling on that? And by no way are well, we condoning this mentality. Or behavior It's just something we want to bring to light
5: I raised four boys And two of them are serving in the Navy And if they saw a young man Doing that to a female They would step in and and rescue her And that guy would be beat To a bloody pulp (laughs) Um, They were raised To be protectors Not um, People who victimize other people they were raised to protect people and protect the weak and protect the innocent. And as a military person, um, they've taken that to the highest level where they take that, their job as a protector very seriously. And that has to do with how they were raised. They were raised with morals and values and ethics. And, um, you know, there's, there's a black and a white and, you know, it seems nowadays kids are being raised in the gray area where there's no right or wrong. It's all situational ethics, and there's no consequences. There's there, there's no accountability. And um, personally, from my speaking and uh, experience and actually being someone who, you know, as a female, you, you are weaker than the men. That's just a given fact. You know, I'm kind of tired of these liberals that, you know, want to push equality for women because that puts them out in a really dangerous position where, like you say, the mentality of the men, that there's a whole platoon of men and one female. Well, you know, it's pretty sad when she's got to worry about her own guys, Um attacking her versus the enemy attacking her. It, it's, it puts a lot of burden on the females. And, um, you know, I, I, um, when I served, I, part of my, my serving was in the National Guard, and my, um, my officer in charge, he served in Vietnam, and he was, he was in, um, in a medical unit, in a hospital, and he watched firsthand the women being treated like that. And when at our field hospital, our evac hospital, that is the one thing he said that will not happen to any of the ladies in my section. Period. And he made sure that we were protected. He, um, Major Major Backus, I I love the guy to this day because I went I went through. The MST before I was under his protective arm, and I never once felt unsafe when he was in charge because he always made sure that us ladies in the pharmacy lab and x ray section were always safe, no matter where we went, no matter you know, and um, you know, desert storm, he made sure that we were the ladies were safe and uh i'm grateful to him to this day that i was able to do uh serve my country under somebody like that who was a a protector and that had such an impact on me that that's why i raised the boys the way i raised the boys and why i made that such an important factor in their upbringing but uh you know Looking back and talking to the other ladies in the pharmacy lab and x-ray section, we all were grateful for his protection.
3: I'm so thankful to hear that there were people like that in your career, even though you had to experience the, the unsavory side of it and the unfortunate side of it. I'm glad that there were people there that took the safety of their fellow soldiers and the soldiers underneath them to such a high regard. Uh, did you ever notice that culture that we were talking about, where there was, um, where, where where sexual nature was a commonplace in conversation?
5: Absolutely, I threw a few guys up against the wall by the throat and uh, and uh, yeah, rattled them a bit and told them if they talked to me like that anymore or grabbed me, I was gonna do something about it. And, uh, yeah. Uh, that that uh, that was a daily thing. It, it wasn't, you know. It was like, you know, for us females, we were always you just walk walk down the hallway and you're going to get grabbed in inappropriate places. It it was just, you know, um, and the cat calls and the the you know the threats and uh, always having to look over your shoulder. Um, In my situation, I was, it was a, um, I was at Fort Sam Houston, and I was in training, and uh, it was a fire guard, uh, somebody who was on watch to protect, and he came right into my room and attacked me.
3: I'm so sorry that that happened to you, Denise, and if. Yeah. And if it's too uncomfortable for you um, to talk about we don't want to push you too far, like we said this we this is to be talked about with reverence and i I want to make sure that we're not pushing you too hard on this topic so if you're uncomfortable oh
5: well, you know, know. I, all I can say is there's safety in numbers, you know after that incident, I never went well, I didn't really go anywhere alone, but after that, even in my civilian life, I never go anywhere alone ever And you know, I'm always very careful. Um, you know, hyper vigilant, um, and I, I I don't think that will ever really change. Now now that I have a service dog, though, um, I don't have to be as hyper vigilant, and uh, she, I can tell her I command. I tell her to watch, and then she watches the environment for me, and she'll let me know if people are coming up behind me. Coming alongside of me She she lets me know everything Like there isn't a move made without me Knowing about it because she's watching
0: so, and I'm so you glad you have that now,
1: now Alex do me a favor I want to um, We've got an hour and 17 minutes left I would like to bring on our next two guests Also uh, Denise Orlando Don't you guys go anywhere okay? Because we're going to continue this conversation But I believe we've got a whole lot more to open up and even if it's a situation where we have to do another show, although next week we we're talking about doing the homeless conversation, but if this goes into a third show, I've got no problem with that. But folks, don't go anywhere. I just want to run a i got to pay the bills, and I just want to run a quick PSA, and then we're going to come back with uh, Lisa Wilkin, also, who has uh, uh, a lady named Judy Brown with her. And, uh, but don't go anywhere, folks. We are going to be right back. I apologize for the break, but I've got to make sure that I get the bills paid so that we can continue on with AMVETS Radio. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back with AMVETS Radio, show number 68.
8: ambets.org
1: If you're listening to AMBETS Radio you're already interested in building the organization and we all know that the key to our continued growth is getting the Gulf War and later veterans involved so I want to suggest that you go to communicate with them where they already are that's right, online your post needs a fresh current web page and a Facebook page to bring them there Veterans Web Design is just who you need to help get the job done. At Veterans Web Design, their mission is to help veteran service organizations grow and prosper through the use of the Internet. To find out more, visit www.veteranswebdesign.com. All right, folks, welcome back to AMVETS Radio Show number 68. I would like to take a moment to... Uh, thank uh, Ambeths, Arkansas. Ambeths Department of Tennessee. Ambeths Tennessee Post 45. Jerry Reed Music City. Ambeths Post 1776, Nashville. The Elk's Lodge 1944. Tri Cities Military Affairs Council. Veterans Web Design, and of course, Painter's Dream Productions for making this show possible. Our next guest is a wife, a mother, a volunteer. For veterans advocacy, she also served our country in the United States Air Force from 1992 to 1996. She's been working since medically discharged after sexual assault for changes in the way MST is handled. She first worked through Rep. Steve Beyer out of Indiana with Dakowitz on a report of the treatment of MST survivors while in active duty. She's had the opportunity to testify before the House of Veterans Affairs Committee subcommittee on health through Congress woman, Jackie Walorski, and the message that she brought was that by the time the VA gets to us, they're so damaged by trying to survive after asking for justice, like the likelihood of us trusting the VA to help us is that low. She shared her story in a book by 10 women veterans, finding the words, stories, and poems of women veterans, and she wants to inspire other veterans to know that they don't have to suffer in silence, and by speaking out and using their voice they can help themselves by helping others but she has learned that one voice can make a difference and lisa i got to tell you i'm thankful that you've chosen ambets radio to come on tonight to talk about this and we just we can't thank you enough for for taking the time to join us tonight welcome to ambets radio
6: well thank you i appreciate the opportunity this is a very important topic to be discussing and I personally know um, how difficult it is to talk about a subject like this, but we need to discuss it in an open forum so that we can help bring about change Uh, because rape in the military is something that we can affect some change on, and we need to be able to have this conversation because it is difficult, and the reason it is difficult is because... When we have this discussion, we are acknowledging all of the ugliness that the violent crime of rape brings into a person's life. And I'd like to start off by um, acknowledging some things that have been said here this evening in regards to um, the good old boy um, network within um, the Department of Defense, within our branches of service, um, in regards um, to the issue of chain of command reporting, Um, we have two types of reporting, restricted and non-restricted. Now, the reason that those two types of reporting came about is because the prevalence of harassment and retaliation against men and women who reported military sexual trauma was so high that they had to give men and women, another option. And so that is how the restricted reporting came about, so that you can report your assault, get health care for your assault, and health care in the future for that assault, but there's no investigation done. And the reason it came about was to protect that troop from retaliation. So let's think about this for a minute. If we have to offer a new way to report a violent crime that you've experienced to protect you from retaliation, from the chain of command, how can we have any confidence that that end is going to be willing to give that troop justice? And that's why the Military Justice Improvement Act is so important, is because it takes the decision of who is prosecuted for rape from the chain of the command of the accused and puts it in the hands of the military prosecutor on that base who is the subject matter expert in the uniform code of military justice Um, we need to also realize that our military is just a cross-section of society so we're going to get some criminals that get in the military And the film, The Invisible War, stated it perfectly, is that the military for predators is a target-rich environment because there are reasons that the chain of command will not want that assault to come to light. And that affects the chain of command's success because if an assault occurs under their command, it makes them look weak as a commander. And therefore, they're more likely to try and coerce a troop into not reporting it um, and to letting it be brushed under the rug. And that, uh, one of your earlier guests talked about how important it is to get help early. And that is so important. Um, The inability for our men and women to seek justice and to be able to speak about what has occurred to them damages them. It damages them because they have to hold all of that ugliness in, and they think that they're doing everyone a favor by being strong. But what they're doing is they're doing long-term damage to themselves. And so that's why it is so important to speak out early, and it is so important for us to make this change of who makes the decision of who gets prosecuted. Because when our chain of command is not letting these violent criminals be prosecuted for the crime that they've committed, what they're doing is giving that criminal the opportunity to perfect their craft Of being a predator And then eventually Those predators come out of our military Into our local communities Into your neighborhoods and mine And they have no criminal history But they've had years to perfect their craft And so it's important that we address this topic But it's also important that we acknowledge That the men who join our military Not all of them, not even a majority, it's a very small percentage that are predators. Our men who wear the uniform honorably don't want this happening to their brothers and sisters and will step up and and do something about it. We shouldn't be relying on our brothers to take care of these issues for us. Our military um, chain of command needs To make sure that our men and women are protected And I'm so glad to hear this evening The discussion about men are victims And survivors of military sexual trauma Most people don't realize that They try to lump MST into a women's issue And it's most certainly not a women's issue Because it happens more to men than it does women They just tell less than we do and they suffer in silence even worse and so I'm so happy to hear you bring up the issue of male military sexual trauma because we can't
5: overlook that mostly women
1: well first of all we do have Orlando he is still on and Alex uh, you're on as well So anybody, feel free to chime in.
3: Well, first off, thank you so much for coming onto the show, and I'm so thankful for your advocacy and your candor when it comes to talking about this topic. Um, Like you discussed, we we have already talked about the ways that Chain of Command have covered this up, and and Denise said it perfectly. Um, I've come to see, in personal experience, and I'd like to get the – opinion of all of our guests Um, a lot of the time I've seen chain of command just separating the victim and the offender and I hate to use the word victim but um, the 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 person impacted by this and the offender is that something that you guys have seen as well
6: yes it is Um, when I reported my assault Um, I was a student at the time, and so I was removed from my training program because my attacker was also in the same duty section. And so it was a violation of his rights to remove him from his duty section because he hadn't been convicted of anything yet. So they removed me from the duty section But, of course, I had been instructed I was not allowed to talk about the incident. And so what it did was it gave the impression that I had done something wrong and I wasn't allowed to discuss the issue with anyone that I worked with previously. And so I had suffered a trauma and then I was basically re-victimized really by their good intentions. Because I don't believe some of the things that were done through the process were done intentionally to re-victimize a a victim. Um, But they were done with the intention of wanting to help, but the system wasn't set up properly to make that effective. And so separating... Troops that have had an issue like this Sounds like a good idea But it's not the solution Because if a crime has occurred Then that crime needs to be prosecuted And so again That's why the Military Justice Improvement Act Is so important And this uh, bill Senate 2141 Has been around for several years There's been several versions of it The McCaskill bill a few years ago made some changes. The restricted, -restricted, non-restricted, guaranteeing non-retaliation, making sure that someone who's convicted of sexual assault is dishonorably discharged. A lot of those things are common sense pieces of legislation. This legislation, 2141, is the legislation that gives a victim the opportunity for justice for what has occurred to them. And I don't mind um, being referred to as a sexual assault victim at the time that it occurred because I was victimized, but I've worked really hard over the years to be a survivor. And so that's how I um, refer to myself now is I am a military sexual trauma survivor. And that's something that we need to address. Those letters, MST, that go behind thousands and thousands of veterans' names, really is a cowardly way of the Department of Defense and the VA in categorizing us. We are rape survivors, and that's what we have to acknowledge first. We have to be able to use that word. I struggled. Using that word for many years I would say I'm an assault survivor Sometimes I might say sexual assault But it took me a long time to use that word rape Because the word itself brings with it The ugliness of the violent crime But when we're able to talk about it We take its power away And we send the message to other victims who are not yet survivors, that this was something that was done to you. You did nothing to bring it upon yourself, and it is not your fault. And there's absolutely nothing wrong or weak about acknowledging that the trauma that you have experienced is causing you some issues. And when you ask for help early, you can get Relief from some of those issues But I will acknowledge That rape survivors carry that with them All of their lives It's not something you can brush under the rug You can't put it in the closet Because the post-traumatic stress From rape will come out In your life at the worst time When you're having another problem In another area of your life that post-traumatic stress from your military sexual trauma is going to come back out. And so that's why it's important that we network with other survivors. We join support groups and we mentor each other because we're all in different places of healing. But the biggest reason is so that none of us have to suffer in silence. Because you can talk to military sexual trauma veterans and hear 10 different stories. But what it all boils down to is that what they suffer from is all pretty much the same. And so we can help each other. And so that's why shows like this, and I appreciate AMVETS Radio being willing to talk about this difficult topic and acknowledge that it is occurring and that it is a... A problem within our Department of Defense, and that the solutions that have been coming about in the last 15 years have made it better, but they've still got a long way to go. And so, I really appreciate AMVETS Radio being willing to talk about this, and um, the guests tonight coming on and being willing to talk, because when you op- when we open up, we're helping other veterans across the country, across the world, being to be willing to talk about these issues.
1: And we're so what is Judy's role in all this? Lisa, what is Judy's role in all this? Because you've got her um, on, and there's a reason for it.
0: Um,
6: Judy um, is an Army veteran, and so I say I don't hold that against her, you know, too much anyway, <laughs> being an Air Force veteran myself. Uh, so. <laughs> Um, Judy is a two-time enlistee Army veteran She um, went back in Enlisted um, after her daughter Had um, enlisted And um, she's a 100% service Connected disabled veteran And I met Judy um, Three years ago At the Indiana State House We were introduced by a mutual friend Because he knew my story And he knew her story And he knew that we could support each other and so Judy is a military sexual trauma veteran who has used her voice and her abilities to help other veterans in Indiana find their voices. And so um, that's why I wanted to make sure that Judy was on with us this evening so that she can give a different perspective of she's a, she's a newer military sexual trauma veteran. She, she's a, a female combat veteran. Um a veteran is a veteran, and we all know that. But our experiences in the military vary, very um, drastically. And so Judy has a different experience um, and a different perspective from a veteran who has deployed to Iraq and has had this experience. Well, Judy, First thank of all, you Judy, for Judy, on Thank you team.
1: for, for – absolutely. And, and, you know, again mm-hmm. – Judy, thank you for your service. Thank you for all that you've done, and thank you for participating on AMBES Radio. As you can see, Ambass Radio is all about what you see is what you get. It's no frills, so uh, the floor is open. And, again, thank you for joining us tonight.
4: Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited about this. I know back in um, 1986, <clears throat> we had um, we'd gotten this little pass. And um, we got to go off post and stuff. And then when we came back onto post, I had uh, the guy in charge of CQ. He was at E7. And he explained to me that I was late. And I said, excuse me? And he said, yes, you're late. And he goes, and do you know how to fix that? And I said, because I'm going to sign you up for being AWOL. And of course, I started crying. You know, I'm young. I came off a tobacco farm in Virginia, and I started crying, and then he's like, "Get in that room in there, and he made me perform all sex on him. I had no, and then all these years go by, oh, they put me out. It's good old boy system. It was asthma, it was asthma. You mentioned that, sir, earlier, the Marine, about 85. So, yeah, remember, these times were really hush-hush. Anyway, so they wanted to classify that as asthma. And so stayed in the reserves, went reserve side, couldn't do regular Army, everything i ever dreamed of, did reserve side. And then um, my daughter went in to the military in 2007. They asked her, want to go back in? Sure, went back in. We were getting stuff ready to go to Iraq. And everything. And next thing you know, we're packing up a big old box. And there comes a first sergeant out of nowhere and just throws a kiss right on me. And I'm like, Excuse me? Oh, just wait till you get over there. You'll see. You'll get a number. Remember the deployment goggles you mentioned earlier, sir? I never heard them called goggles, but I remember the deployment numbers, whether you were a 1 or a 10 or whatever. And that was just because they weren't all home to see what the real tens, they called the a ten, in the U.S. look like and stuff. So you remember the numbers. But in 2015, I got introduced to a program called the Road Home Program. And for all them years, I never knew that I, that, that was rape. Right. I never knew that was sexual assault. I carried that, that I had done something wrong. But I can stand here today, and I can stand at the Indiana State House, and I can stand on the steps in Washington, D.C., and in the Eisenhower Building and say, no, I did nothing wrong, and now I can stand. I may have not had a voice then, but now I have a voice, and one voice, Can make a difference. This
6: topic is something that um, our veteran service organizations are really taking up um, because they advocate for us veterans. Um, And they want to make sure that the country realizes that this is a problem and that our legislators need to act on this issue. So, what we need. From our listeners tonight And supporters across the country Is we need you to reach out To your legislators and let them know To support the Military Justice Improvement Act That it should be the military prosecutor On that base who makes a decision Of whether someone is prosecuted For rape And there's another reason why it should be The military prosecutor Not just because they know the law They also know What cases can be proven and which cases can't be proven? Because there have been instances where commanders have decided to have a troop charged with rape when the evidence isn't there for a conviction. Not saying that the rape didn't occur, but the evidence needed for a conviction isn't there. And therefore, when those troops are referred for charges, what it does to that victim is it gives them a false hope of justice. And they're put through the process in the military, and then they get no justice. I reported my rape. I asked for justice. At first, mm-hmm. they were going to give him an Article 15 non judicial punishment. But I say, and I say it in, in a flippant way, that I got lucky that my first sergeant's wife was a rape survivor, and he knew what I was headed for and going to have to face for the rest of my life. And so my first sergeant went to that for me and went to the commander and said, do not give him an Article 15 until you talk to the victim. And I got to talk to the commander and explain to him What had happened to me And he picked up the phone with me in his office And called the area defense counsel And rescinded the article 15 offer And it was sent for an article 32 Which is like a grand jury hearing And charges were referred I went through that whole process The investigation What occurred as a result In my case was that he was given an other-than-honorable discharge in lieu of court-martial. And that was done because the defense made a motion to bring into evidence things out of my medical records. That's something else people don't realize. When you're active-duty military, you have no privacy. There is no rape shield law In the military So your medical records If you go to counseling After the assault All of that information Is accessible by the defense And so The defense had made a motion To introduce The fact that I had had A pregnancy terminated In my past And I asked the prosecutor This has no relevance On what occurred to me And the prosecutor was very honest. He said to me, and I'll never forget these words, Lisa, I can prove that he raped you, but the rape wasn't violent enough for him to get any real jail time. And if there is one right to life juror, they will see you as a murderer and therefore got what you deserved. And that's a part of my story that I... For a long time, I wouldn't tell in public because I know people's opinions. But what they don't understand is there's a twist to that story. I was sexually assaulted in 1993 before the morning after pill. So the doctor in the emergency room who took very good care of me gave me his version of the morning after pill. I was given seven birth control packs. And for seven days, I was instructed to take the first nine pills out of each one of those packs every morning. Well, there were a couple of things that emergency room doctor forgot to tell me. One was how sick that was going to make me. And two, what would have to happen if his version of the morning after pill didn't work? And so basically what happened in my case is the military used a time in my life and a decision that I had to make that was really out of my hands against me. And so I had, have always felt as though the military blackmailed me into letting them keep that quiet because I didn't want to have to let my family know that I had had to make that decision. And so I agreed to let my attacker have an other than honorable discharge in lieu of court-martial, and they had him processed and off the base within a week. And then I found out he had attempted to do the same thing at his previous base. And I will be honest that I have never had the courage to look to see if he has harmed another person since then. Because I don't know that I would be able to live with myself if I knew that I helped enable a predator to get out of the service with no record when he was a repeat offender. And so that's why this is important. And I said it in my book that by not telling my whole story, I let that part of it Take a deep hold within me. And it causes problems throughout your whole life. The other, the earlier guest talked about how she doesn't ever go anywhere by herself. Judy and I can attest to that. We travel this state here in Indiana advocating for veterans, but neither together. one of us go alone. We go together because I know she's got my back and I've got her back because In the veteran service organizations, it is still a very male-dominated environment. It's still the good old
4: boy system.
6: And we need to work on that and make sure that within our veteran service organizations that our voices are being heard. And it's very important for people to realize that an invisible wound is just as damaging as the visible ones that we can see in the scars that we see on veterans. And sometimes those invisible wounds can be just as deadly because our military sexual trauma veterans who take their lives, they don't take their lives because they're weak. They don't take their lives because they can't handle what they've been through. Our military sexual trauma veterans who take their lives do that because they are afraid they are a burden to their family or because they are doing than they would be if they're not around. And so that's why this conversation is so important. <coughs>
1: Well, first of all, your, your, your boldness and your ability to communicate what you've been through. Uh, again, I, I really, as I stated in the beginning of the show, at 9 o'clock, we're going to look back and just realize how powerful of a show this really has been. I want to bring back a Denise and Orlando, if they're still there. Denise, are you there? Yep, I'm still here. And Orlando?
7: I'm still here.
1: Wonderful. Let's have you guys chime in. Um, I've got all of us on. We had a little bit of background noise, but I'm not worried about that because, again, uh, through this entire conversation, y'all have been so open and honest, and I know there's some – I'm just telling you, I know there's somebody right now who's listening who has not spoken up. And if you happen to be listening to this show, I need you to do me a favor Um, because, again, we we really need to communicate and make sure – that this show is reaching out to those that need to be reached. If you happen to listen to this show tonight and this show has affected you in any way, shape or form positive or negatively, please send us an email at ambits at gmail.com because we need to know. And again, we're going to share all of you guys will have the ability to share this show after we need to share this show because there are a lot of, and I know headquarters will, because I know they're listening right now already. We've got a couple of ones from Mm -hmm. um, Ameth National Listening. So just know that the sacrifice that you guys have made to talk about this is not going on deaf ears. But Orlando, Denise, either one of you, feel free to step in and and add to this conversation. (coughs) we got 43 minutes, so we're good on time. And I'm not running any more (laughs) PSAs, so (laughs) let's just keep going.
0: Let's roll.
7: Well, uh, I... You know, on my on my end, um, you know, I have to congratulate the women that have come on board and have told their stories. I applaud you um, immensely. I, I I give you all the respect in the world. I mean, because you are just true heroes in in, in my eyes um, because of what you've gone through and how you are dealing with it and moving forward um, I have women in my posts, and some are are officers in my posts that you know have gone through uh military sexual trauma and um you know it's not it's not easy for them it's not easy for them uh The good thing is that I treat everybody in my post like family, so we're able to go ahead and um speak about things freely and if they have a problem, you know, they just go ahead and let it all out, Um, which is good. It's not that, it's not that way for everybody. I mean, I've met some women at the VA that once I even hear a small tinge of, you know, that they've been through something, you know, and I won't ask them if they want to speak about it because, you know, I, I already know it's difficult for them, but you know if there's you know I always offer my help, you know if there's any way mm-hmm. I could go ahead and help, if there's anybody I could go ahead and refer them to um, you know anything you know because i I have to look at it based on again what I went through um in in saving the marine the female marine that was being raped, I have to look at it as okay, that could be my mom, that could be my sister, so i I treat every woman that same way. I was not aware how bad it was for the guys, the males, until about three, four years ago. And then it brought it back to me where I could go ahead and say, wow, yeah, if you do say something, your career is over. Um, You know, you'll be ridiculed you know there there's a the propensity uh, of possible suicide you know afterwards on both parts i mean male or female so you know it's it it's just it's really hurtful for me to go ahead and hear this uh, because we we shouldn't we should be protecting each other we should have each other's backs and instead like it was mentioned earlier we have criminals coming in and they're just being trained to hone in on their skills and them being set out into the world. Um, and, and you know, that might seem harsh for some people, but that's the reality of it. That's the reality of it. You know, so, um, again, I applaud you women for what you've done coming on this show, telling us your stories. Being strong every day, despite of what you went through, to go ahead and move forward and I bless you for that and i I just you know wish you continued success in what you're doing. Thank you,
6: thank you. Um, could I ask a question of denise sure um, I, I I'm just for curiosity um, when you had your experience in the military how did other women in the military react to you after that experience? Did you find that they were supportive or did you find that they distanced themselves from you?
5: They, they distanced themselves from me. Um, I basically lost all my friends. Um, Uh I, I couldn't, I, I was so traumatized that I, I couldn't really talk to anybody. And, um, I I just they they just kind of even my roommates stopped hanging out with me. They um I basically ended up um pretty much uh alone and and um having to redo all my friendships with new people because and then I never let it out. I never talked about it. I never I this is the most I've ever talked about it actually. Um, And the whole topic of feeling like a burden to your family, that hits me daily. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like you just, you know, all I can say is thank God for my service dog because when that stuff gets pretty heavy, I talk to my dog and we walk. We walk and talk. (laughs) And uh, and she's been good for my soul um, in so many ways. But. Uh, you know, every female veteran that's gotten a service dog from me has gone through military sexual assault. So pretty much, um, you know, and and I do service dogs for men and women. But the men, mostly it's combat related. For the women, the PTSD is always military sexual assault. And, and um and Go ahead. It's
6: so it's so awesome that you have a service animal and you help provide that service animal to other veterans. Um, and the fact that a service animal um, gives you release
5: or support
0: is an important um, she, message.
5: She, it's, we could do a whole show on how service dogs help with PTSD. It's, It's, um, because of how she's changed everything for me, um, is why I train dogs for free for fellow veterans because, and I do, I, I raise support so I can purchase the dogs and then I put like 2,000 hours of training into each dog. Then I train the dog and the veteran together. So I build deep, deep relationships with my, my, they become family and friends to me and, uh, it's it's amazing to watch these dogs and it's the same it's like what I have with Poppy and how she's she's actually helping me basically reset my biological you know reset everything my homeostasis my biological you know um you know uh medically you know she's helping it's not. It's not just a mental thing. It's a physical thing. The PTSD, as you you're well aware of, but, um, you know the 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 suicide stuff um mm-hmm. is always present in the background. That that feeling of being a burden to your family. Like you have a bad night 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 trauma or night night terrors or whatever they call it, and you wake up and and it's happened to you all over again, and you've physically, emotionally, spiritually relived the whole situation and you there's nothing you can do about it um but you know when i when i ha- after i got poppy those those occurrences started diminishing and um i think i've had maybe two or three since i've gotten her and i've mm-hmm. had her for 3 years so um it's amazing how she's helped but that could be a whole nother show. all I want to say is as as a person who has gone through this, there's a lot of civilian people that go through this, even as children um, we're we're not the only ones, but we we are speaking out and what I can say is you know if you've been through this, connect with somebody who you can talk to um like like um, you and your friend have connected, and you help each help each other because. Other people aren't going to understand what you've been through except if they've been through it themselves. And then go out and help somebody else. Um, you know, do something for somebody else. And, you know, every time I train a service dog, it's one more step in my own victory. It's it's one more notch in my own freedom against PTSD, against military sexual assault, against everything that has kind of tried to take my own personal freedom, it's one step to freedom. So you writing that book, I'm assuming that that was a step for your freedom, too. And you're paying it forward and helping other people regain their freedom. And, uh, you know, if we we veterans can stick together and speak about this tough subject and help the – The people that are serving currently And change things with the laws And how things are handled Um, We should do Everything in our Everything and anything Possible that we could do we should be doing And uh, Paying it forward and I just want To thank you ladies because Just hearing your stories and Knowing that you know I'm not the only one out there And and I know that because of the ladies Who have gotten service dogs from me but to hear you guys speaking, it it gives me permission to share my story again, and the more it comes Correct. to the light, the less it holds over you, the the more freedom you get.
0: Yes, Which that's the reason why
1: you. I started, that's why I started the show off tonight with that song, You're Not Alone, because I wanted that message to be consistent throughout the whole show. I mean... You guys are obviously are not the only ones, but if there are those that are not saying a word, that are not speaking out, let this show be the catalyst to get them to speak. Alex, I haven't heard from you in about 17 minutes. Are you okay over there?
3: <laughs> I'm alive, Perry. Actually, I was communicating with one of our listeners who has a, questions for, a question for our guests. If It's okay. Awesome. Yeah, Excellent. He hey, wait, I,
1: hey, quick. Quick question. They didn't call in, by the way. Are, are, are they in the, in the queue they, now? Because I'll bring them on if they are.
3: They are listening live through the podcast on uh, Blog Talk Radio.
1: Well, if they want to call in, they can ask the question. Just ask them if they're interested. If not, just ask the question for them. But anyone can call that 319 phone. If If anybody wants to discuss this, I'm glad you guys reached out to Alex to let them know because, again, we can get call-ins from anywhere. I mean, we can have up to actually 50 callers at a time. And so right now we're at 17, so we've got room. So if you anybody has any questions, uh, please feel free to uh, go on Facebook and um, send AMBITS Radio a message on Messenger. If you have a question, or reach out to Alex. But go ahead, Alex, ask the question well, unless you, you well, think he, they want to call in.
0: either – He's
3: afraid to call in because it's a sensitive topic and he doesn't want to seem no problem. apropos. Okay. Um, he, he wants to know, so there's a whole Me Too movement going on, but what <clears throat> what is the differences between military sexual assault trauma and rape in the civilian sector? Uh, do I you can feel answer that. that,
0: that.
3: <laughs> do you feel that Sorry. it's more damaging or, or less damaging, or what, what would you say would be the difference between that is? The difference
6: in that is um, if I worked at a bank and my boss at the bank raped me, I would leave that job. When you're in the military, you don't have the option to leave. You have to stay. You can't go anywhere unless you're going to choose to go AWOL. And so that is the difference. That's why military sexual trauma and, believe it or not, incest, and, and what survivors suffer from are very closely related because you can't leave. Where are you going to go? And a lot of times these assaults happen on deployments. There's nowhere you can go, or you're at an isolated base, and there's nowhere you can go. And if you reach out for help, they're going to know that you've reached out for help. And so that isolation is... Damaging. And that's why I asked that last question about whether or not other women isolated themselves from, from Denise. Because that is another re victimization. It's not done intentionally, it's done as a self preservation mode by those other troops. Because if they're associated with you and they acknowledge that that has happened to you, then they have to acknowledge in their own mind. That, that could happen to them. And so if they distance themselves from you and they don't really acknowledge that it has occurred, then in their own mind, it is less likely that they could be a victim. And so it's not something they've done intentionally, but it happens. And so there is a huge difference between rape in the military and rape in the civilian sector in the way that it is handled And in the fact that when you're in the military, you can't get away. You're stuck there, and there's nothing you can do about it.
4: And especially if you're overseas, you can't very well come across that water because you can't, you don't have your own plane unless you're a president or someone, or unless you're a senator, and they don't want you to talk to your senators when they're there because they'll put you on a detail so you don't get a chance to meet your senator from your own state of Indiana. But guess what? Mm -hmm. Now I have everything I ever wanted. The background noise you heard earlier, that was me quilting, and I apologize because I don't do service dogs, but every veteran that comes across my way, I present them a quilt of honor, and I tell them, thank you for your service. And I have a quilt hanging right now at the War Memorial in Indiana in Indianapolis and it's called Courage to Stand and one section in there says she fought for
3: you that's absolutely amazing and thank you so much for what you do for our fellow bets and how you give back I'm actually a recipient of Quilt of Valor so thank you it means a lot um
0: you're welcome
3: uh if, if, if I may ask this, um, he he had a two-part question, and this was the, the the part that he was worried about asking. What role do you feel inappropriate, like, lunches, like, that's what we call them in the Army, I don't know if you had a different term, where somebody of a higher rank that's male has a lunch alone with a female of a lower enlisted rank, play in that culture and that behavior perpetuating it's
5: okay. Uh, that's never okay. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> technically that that's that's, you know, against military policy, uh, fraternization, but it happens all the time. You know, uh you know, I when I was in, I I was always in the gym lifting weights and uh I actually had a, a I was enlisted and I had a captain come and find me to have coffee with me. And I I told him, hey, this is inappropriate, and this could damage both of our careers if I wanted to make it a career. And he certainly was risking way more than I was. And, you know, I actually held him accountable, but, you know, and told him it was inappropriate. But, you know, if – if uh, a higher-ranking male or a higher-ranking female wants to have a lunch to discuss business and things like that and work-related, they should have another person present.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Or have it in public. They should, yeah, yeah. And even even if it isn't public, they should always have another person present. I I'm very conscious of that when I'm working with male veterans. Either one of my sons is always present or my husband, always. It doesn't matter the age of the soldier. They, they could be as young as my son. Um, a lot of them are, you know, 28 and young. But I, I'm never alone with these soldiers if they're of the opposite sex, even as a civilian, even as an AMETS post commander. I'm glad you that. I have it really good right news.
1: Now. Some, By the way, just so that you guys know, somebody messaged me who's actually listening, who actually has a comment and I believe a question. She has said, and let me just read to you one of the things which she commented so that you guys understand uh, awesome. what her. She said, uh, and I'm, she's going to ask, but I want to. She. Why am I not getting all that other... Me- well, anyway, she complimented. She really loves this show. I'm going to bring her on. Her name is <laughs> Vanessa, and she has a comment I, and a question.
0: Uh,
1: hey, Vanessa, welcome I to Ambitz Radio.
5: On my, I'll have to call back oh, in on my fine. cell phone because my battery is dying.
1: No problem. Just uh, uh, What is the last four digits of your phone number so I know that you'll be
5: calling um, in from? It, it's... Uh, Six five four one. It's a seven one five area code. Okay. But my my no home problem. phone is the battery's beeping at me, so I'm going to lose you guys. I'll I'll, I'll hang no up problem. and call right back on my cell phone. Okay. You thank it. you.
1: Vanessa. Vanessa, welcome to Amethyst Radio. Thank you for reaching out. How you doing?
5: Uh,
8: I'm I'm <laughs> hanging in there. How are How are you guys tonight? You sound awesome. Oh. Can you hear me?
4: Yeah, I can hear you.
8: Thank you um,
4: Thank
8: you. I, w- I was just uh, making a comment in addition to what Lisa said, in the military culture and your training, you're trained that everyone in your unit is your battle buddy. Everyone in your unit is supposed to have your back. You're supposed to be able to go into combat and trust that person that's right next to you when you're experiencing military sexual assault, military sexual trauma when you're raped. In the military You don't have that trust It is the deepest betrayal of trust That A soldier Can experience Especially when you can't go to your unit And say something about it Because of fear of Repercussions of you reporting Um, Mm -hmm. Was that uh, That Betrayal of trust um, is, is that a common um, factor in your experience with the other veterans that you've spoke with that have experienced military sexual trauma that now they have that
6: issue with that betrayal of trust? They have the issue with that betrayal of trust. They also have the issue of not trusting their own judgment because they suffer from the fact that they should have seen it. How come I didn't see that he was a predator? How come I didn't know that this was going to happen? And so that betrayal of trust snowballs into the lack of the trust in yourself. And when everyone has that inner dialogue with themselves, unfortunately the majority of our military sexual trauma veterans – their inner dialogue that they have with themselves is damaging because they have had a violation of trust and then they don't trust themselves. And so that's why it is important that we continue to speak out about this so that other men and women can hear that the way that they talk to themselves internally is important that it needs to be positive. And our military sexual trauma veterans, no one can be harder on a military sexual trauma veteran than they can be on themselves in their own mind. And so by giving MST veterans a support network of other veterans to be able to lean on, that's so important. And so that's another reason this, this program is so important and Vanessa, you're right. Your Army, you guys had your battle buddies. We, I was Air Force, and we had our battle buddies. And it was the same thing, as when you came on base and that security police officer waved you in with that M-16 on his arm, you felt safe. It was a false sense of security because, unfortunately, there was a predator among us. But not all of our men and women in the military are predators because back to the question the gentleman asked earlier in regards to the lunches, um, the private lunches, is that a contributing factor? I would say no because men are not predisposed to rape. That's why the argument that men and women serving together shouldn't happen because rape is going to occur, when statements like that are made, that is a complete insult to every man who has ever worn the uniform honorably and every family who has stood behind and supported their loved ones while they serve or have lost a loved one in service by implying that our men who wear the uniform are so weak that if you put a woman in the group, that they're going to rape her because that's not the case. Rapists are violent criminals, and our military men and women who serve are heroes. And we need to make sure that we make that distinction that... The predators that are are doing this in the military need to be rooted out, and that's why the Military Justice Improvement Act is so important, so that the base prosecutor can bring charges against those that have violated their brothers and sisters in uniform. And believe it or not, I know this is hard to for people to realize that women can be rapists also. Power corrupts, and absolute power absolutely corrupts. And a woman who is a predator who gets some rank can do just as much damage as a man can because men can be raped also. And that's something that's important for us to talk about tonight.
4: And I have went to class. I have went through a three week program with some men, and then I went on a couple of Project Odysseys as well. That was just for MST related, and there was men there. They had no choice. They had no choice. It was the rank over the top. And let me tell you, they were both the female outranked the man. And I'm telling you, I would have never dreamed that would have happened to that man, but it did.
6: And what the men are told when they report it, they are told, learn to enjoy it. That's what they're told. Mm -hmm. And they suffer in silence.
3: Or they're shamed. Or they're shamed for, like, what kind of man doesn't want to have sex with a woman.
6: That's exactly, exactly.
3: right. Exactly. They call you a homosexual, which is not even a bad thing. Like, if you want to be a homosexual, be that. But, you know, I mean, they, they shame you. They call you names. they are like, oh, look at him. He doesn't like being with women.
4: Okay. And then here's another thing as well. Um, you know, we as MST survivors, we are inside these posts, and I hope, sir, you or the commander, can interject on this, or maybe someone listening is, we are inside them post, or we are sitting in these big meetings with, say, different organizations, and they're like, oh, you're being too sensitive. Why are you wearing your feelings on your shoulder again?
0: Well, How- we do have some people from if who would
3: like to directly speak to them.
4: Sure, go for it. I wish say would
7: um, fix the problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, you it. know, um, I might, you know, I, I'm something like that because there's two parts that I wanted to go ahead. I'm going to answer, I'm going to interject on this one here. Um, I'm putting your feelings on your shoulders. It, it, it's more, you know, I see it as a machismo move um, where it's just a matter of, look, if you can't be as strong as I am, why are you here? Um, you know, and that's the mentality that I know of when I came up in the Marine Corps in the late 70s into the 80s. You know, if you were just an emotional person, guess what? You were not, you just wasn't part of, you know, the culture. You wasn't part of the Marine Corps. You were somebody that now has to be pushed aside. It didn't matter whether you were male or female, okay? Um it, it, that's just the way it is. And I've seen that come along throughout the years and it continues to be that way, you know, and a lot of it has to do with, if you're, you know, with this mentality that if you're not as strong as I am, you are not part of my world, you know, and, uh-huh. and that's a screwed up deal. You know, it's a really screwed up deal on that one. On the other side, as far as trust, um, we also have to look at those that help um, those that are victims. You know, like in my case where I helped somebody and now the trust, there was no trust. Um, everybody looked at me as though, well, you shouldn't have gotten involved. You should not have said anything. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we no longer have your back, you know, because now we know you're a snitch. And it's like, you know, I'm looking at them like, you must be crazy. I said, I still got your back at the end of the day. If you don't have my back, okay, that's a choice you make. But I still have that female's back. Even though she was 30 days later, she was given discharge papers, honorably discharged, and was gone. Because they didn't want to hear nothing about her. They didn't want to know nothing about her whatsoever. And she's gone. Okay. And like I said earlier in the program, when the uh the marine perpetrator went ahead and got out of the hospital because he was beaten to an inch of his life, he was transferred to another unit a different part of the country, and I was Wait. the one that was you know was set up to suffer because now my career was pretty much over because I got charged with you know destruction of government property, but like I said earlier on. I would do it again. Now, did there, was there any trust towards me? There was no trust. Nobody trusted me. But that's okay. At the time, I was really angry about it. But now that I'm a lot older, it's like, hey, whatever. I'll do it again. Yeah, I'll do it again in a heartbeat. You um, you
6: stood up for somebody who, um, you know, had been victimized. And there's something, there's something admirable admirable to to be said about that, um, I will tell you when I was assaulted, um, I was counseled don't say anything, you know keep resend it, take it back. It didn't happen. you know, keep your name out of being associated with that. I was offered by two security police officers that they would make sure that he would never do that to anyone else that And they would set it up to be done in a way that it wouldn't be traced back to them because, oh, you know, if this person's out in the city that our base was in and and something happens to him out in the city, it's not going to get traced back to the people who did it or to me. Well, I knew better than that. Um, I knew, one, I had really bad luck. Um, And so I knew that wouldn't be the case. I knew it would come back on me. And I knew it would come back on both of them. And I didn't want my my problem, the way I thought about it at the time, um, to cause them problems in, in the future. Um, and so I told them no. But I still remember, and I will always be grateful to both of them, for being willing to have my back like that and to stand up for me. Um, But it's important that our men and women that we prosecute, that we speak up. I know there's restricted and unrestricted and the reasons for it, but we need to be able to just report it and not have to worry about retaliation. And so the fact that there's two ways to report it is basically just an acknowledgement by the Department of Defense that there's still such an ongoing problem with retaliation that they had to come up with a different way for our troops to be able to ask for help for physical injuries and the mental health issues that sexual assault brings up. And so, again, I bring up the Military Military Justice Improvement Act because We've had many pieces of legislation and changes made in the last 10 to 15 years on this topic, but they've all been a Band-Aid, where the Military Justice Improvement Act is actually meaningful legislation that could make a difference in a military veteran's life in the future by giving them the chance
4: at justice.
3: I'm, I'm glad you mentioned hey. that because we're we're coming to about 10 minutes left on our show and I have a question for each one of our guests tonight and I, I'd like to start with Orlando and then work down the line um, what do you think AMVETS both nat- since we have national officers listening to our show tonight what do you think AMVETS both nationally at the department and the post level can do to better incorporate and provide services and help our veterans who have suffered military sexual trauma?
7: Um, Well, I mean, we started, we we started something where we had a a conference at the VA medical center here in DC for um, military sexual trauma. And we were able to go ahead and get um, those that have suffered, from throughout the country to go ahead and come to this one-day conference, and it worked out beautifully. And it was more about discussion than anything else. I mean, mm-hmm. if we can at least start a discussion, you know, to go ahead and get people to understand what's going on, to understand that they are, they're not going to be any reprisals for them speaking out or things of that nature. I think we could get more people involved in helping those um, that have been victimized and as well as, you know, um, getting those to understand that we still should have each other's back, that we should not be, you know, um, you know, turning our back on those that have been victimized. I mean, I want to go ahead and just, and I'm going to close off on this, something that uh, Joe Shinnelli wrote, uh, the, you know, national uh, executive director of AMVETS, he wrote something that the defense secretary John uh, James Mattis wrote, and they said it's, by its nature sexual assault is one of the most destructive factors in building a mission-focused military. And you know, and it's it's sad to say that that's what it's come down to. You know, that it's 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 a destructive you know, uh, behavior, and we have to do something, you know, whether it's talking, whether it's having workshops, whether it's having conferences, uh, talk radio, whatever it is to get the word out so that we could go ahead and bring down those numbers. Because if we look at those numbers, we'll see from 2000 till now, the numbers have gone up. They haven't come down. They're going up, and they're going to keep on going up. So let's see what we can go ahead and do about it.
6: I will um, chime in here a a minute if I could. Um, To help on this topic of military sexual trauma, um, AMVETS National Headquarters um, has already done a lot by supporting Senate Bill 2141, the Military Justice Improvement Act, and by putting out a letter of support. What that letter of support does is it helps us um, advocates at the grassroots effort to be able to lobby our legislators. So one of the things I would like to see AMVETS National do is to have our National Legislative Director, Amy Webb, help our department legislative directors to do resolutions within their state, not within their Department of AMVETS, but at their state house. In Indiana, we did a resolution, Senate Resolution 62, authored by Senator Phil Boots, and thank you, Senator Boots, for doing that. It was passed through the Indiana Senate during the legislative session, and it was a resolution in support of the Military Justice Improvement Act, Senate 2141. And when it passed through the Indiana General Assembly through the Senate, after it was passed, A copy of it was sent from the Indiana Senate to our entire congressional delegation. Think of the impact that that would make if every Anves department headquarters, legislative directors, had resolutions done at their state houses and those messages be delivered to their elected officials. Because we have to use our grassroots and our membership because our elected officials, we don't endorse them. We don't donate to their campaigns. We don't have parties at the end of the session. And so we have to use the currency that we have. And the currency that we have is our membership and our votes. And so when we send a message from our department getting these resolutions done in every state in in the country and every legislator in Washington DC receiving a copy of a resolution that was passed in their state at their state house it sends a huge message to our legislators in DC And I think that um, that would be a huge help if if Anves department headquarters would work with legislative directors around the country to get those resolutions done and, and through their state houses to get our federal elected officials all notified that their home state house legislators support the Military and Justice Improvement Act and urge them to vote
3: in support of it. I think that's a great idea. That really is
0: uh,
3: Diane. Barry or Denise? I mean,
0: yeah, I'm what Go ahead, Diane.
5: Mm-hmm. Um, I I would say, um, you know, he, us at our our post directly, Sierra and that's post. Um, we are we're all women and uh we are trying to um kind of be a voice and an advocate for female veterans um and just kind of um we do we do male veterans too but our specialty is towards the female veteran because we feel that uh we we just don't have enough out there, you know, there's lots of projects and things, but we we are tailor made for the female veterans. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that we are doing, and I think um, that it's a it's a way in which we can, you know, reach out to the community also and bring awareness, um, and kind of tie tie the civilian world to the military world, and reach out. Um, we're going to be working with the uh, Battered Women's Shelter here locally and volunteering and doing everything we can to bring our experiences forward to help other females that may or may not have been in the in the military. Um, and, uh, you know, a, another project that we would really like to take on as we grow in size would be to have a homeless female veteran shelter here in Wisconsin. We have three homeless um, shelters, but they don't take females. They just take the men. And um, so we'd like to have a female homeless veteran shelter, too. So that's that's another thing that we're looking at in the future where we could reach out and help. Um, And we certainly would love to be able to help men who've gone through military sexual trauma, too. It's not not that we're just exclusively female, but we we are, you know, looking at female issues within um, the veteran community. So um, that's one way in which we are trying to help out and build awareness and just hear locally, and then hopefully, you know, maybe we'll be um, a voice that can be... Helpful nationally. Well,
1: just like guys, I you, have hope. Uh, Alex, I, I, I guys, I, I, I do not want to be the bearer of bad news, but we're going to run out of time. We've got exactly one minute. So my question <laughs> for you is: Do we continue on next week?
0: Yes. Part three yes. of this oh, conversation.
1: No, no. Yes. Okay. Yes. Then yes. next week I, we I will continue this ready. conversation. Yeah. Good. Then everybody who's on now, same bat time, same bat channel, thank you all for joining us on AMBETS Radio. I'm sorry we have to stop the show. We are out of time. But don't forget to go to AMBETSRadio.com and share this show. And we really look forward yeah. to having you guys on next week. Thank you, each and every one of you, for participating. Alex, my brother, it's everything we dreamed of, everything we talked about. And I know Nationals <laughs> listening, I, 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 they have been engaging with me via Messenger. And they're extremely awesome. excited about this topic. So thank you for joining us, and we will see you guys <laughs> next week on AMBITS Radio Show number 69. Thank you for joining us tonight.
0: Thank you. you. Bye-bye.